and welcome to our new podcast, In Conversation, with me, Sarah Williams. Each week, I'll be chatting to someone different from church and asking them about themselves and their story and finding out what their experience of God has been like. So if you have ever looked around church on Sunday morning and thought, I wonder how they became a Christian or I wonder how they came to be here at Southwest London Vineyard and all sorts of other things, then hopefully you should enjoy the next 20 minutes or so. Anyway, enough about me. Let's get stuck in. Good morning, everyone. I'm sitting here in conversation with Brian Charter this morning. Um, Brian, really interested to know, how did you become a Christian? Um, So I was really privileged to grow up in a a very loving Christian family and household. Um, And so got all the kind of teaching and, and, you know, gave my life as a child. I recommitted my baptism vows about the age of 11. But I don't think I really got it until um, I went off to university and uh, I had a fairly normal, probably freshers year, um, if you compared it. Yeah, to... yeah. I think we all know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then in the summer, I'm, I can't quite, I'm not quite sure how it happened, but I ended up signing up. I wanted to have an adventure and I ended up signing up for this mission trip, mostly because it sounded like an adventure to Mozambique. And... I experienced things there um, that I'd never experienced in terms of the reality of the spiritual experience. So we were this little team and we drove into Mozambique and we were doing various fairly traditional missionary things like going out and um, showing the Jesus video in the middle of the bush. And like wow. we got had to go onto a train and just start preaching and then sit down and talk to people and wow. um, all this different stuff. And and I was totally out of my comfort zone because yeah. really what that made me realise was how solid am I in my faith really yeah. here. Um, but there were these crazy spiritual experiences. There were witch doctors around who like ended up sort of apparently putting some curses on some of the members of the the host team, like the senior missionaries, not our yeah. junior people. And they were talking about these crazy experiences that they'd had and we all as a team had some strange experiences in the night of all waking up at the same time for instance and suddenly hearing that all the animals around were barking and everyone saying are you like everyone being we're awake how are you feeling i'm feeling really cold i'm feeling really scared and we just started reading the bible wow and there was obvious a real obvious spiritual kind of warfare going on there Mm -hmm. and it just made me go wow this stuff is really real Mm. and and obviously the positive side of kind of calling out to Jesus and you know asking for protection and really getting that sense of this is we're in a battle here yeah um and so that I think that was the time I remember when I really solidified my faith Mm. um and I was like this this is really real and I believe this and this is what my life needs to be about yeah and so obviously that was a really impactful experience that you had. What was it like when you came back to the UK? It changed me a lot. Yeah. I was very, um, you know, I was my second and third years of university. I, I was sharing with my friends much more about my faith. I was, I sort of, I guess, became 
much more involved in the Christian community as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I made sure that I was going to church regularly, and I, I, I felt like for the first time I had a real and regular relationship with God. Mm. So, it was kind of an everyday thing. You yeah. know, it was, you know, the stuff that we all you know, it was having quiet times and doing praying for people and praying through stuff consistently and and sort of aligning my behaviour in a way that I felt honoured. Yeah. God more. Yeah. And I can imagine having that experience in Mozambique, there was no other distractions apart from you and the Lord and what you were doing. And so it was easy when you came back to the UK because you'd had that experience mm. to, to guide you through all these other experiences that you were about to have. Yeah. Um, well, then I, I think I was so emboldened when I came back that I, I remember sending out um, email at the time to all my friends being like, I want to tell you about this experience. I've yeah. Had. And sort of but preparing them, I suppose, for the fact that I might seem a bit different or a bit odd and they might notice some changes and and stuff and um that prompted some good conversations yeah. and I, you know I look back on that time and think I probably got a little bit too black and white with <laughs> people um and uh yes they wouldn't all have necessarily appreciated that but it I'm sure they all remembered the conversation <laughs> though <laughs> yeah. 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 um and then going on from that how did you end up being at Southwest London Vineyard so I was at university in Nottingham and then finished that, went around, um, went around the country a little bit on a, on a grad scheme, came back to Nottingham, met Jen, my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I did a master's in international development, which having gone into sort of industry for a bit, which was always a passion area for me. Um, and sort of, and we decided to move to London because that's where there were charities. Uh, that I could potentially get involved with working with. But actually, we applied, started applying for things, and Jen got a job straight away um, down in St. Helier. So we moved to the area. Jen had gone to the vineyard church up in, so Trent Vineyard up in Nottingham. Oh, right, yeah. Before we got married, and then I dragged her over to my C of E church. Um, <laughs> but so it was an obvious place for us to come and try. And when we arrived, you know, we felt comfortable. We were very welcomed. I think we the first people we met were the wonderful <laughs> Tom and Sarah Williams. Um, we managed to get our car locked in the car park. And it was just like we'd landed and, and we hadn't looked back since. I remember that because um, we hadn't been on the welcome desk that long. And you came and were like, oh, this lovely couple, you know, about the same age as us. We were like, oh, they're so nice. And there's a concert the lunch at the yard. And none of us had thought about, oh, they might lock the gates of yes. the school. And so... Yeah. You came to the lunch, well, hopefully you had a really nice time, it and is. then... I think we ran into you later that day, didn't we? No, 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 we don't need to mention that. <laughs> they, they then saw the real side of Sarah and Tom Williams outside the shopping centre. I think that's what made you realise that, oh, they're all they're perfectly... They're people. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Let's say no more about that. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and obviously we've been friends ever since, so Absolutely. that was really good. Yeah. Um, and how long ago was that? I can't remember. Uh, that was 2009, so 13 years. Wow, yeah. long time at Vineyard. Yeah. There yeah, you go. yeah, we're the we're part of the furniture these days. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. Um, is there any particular time in your life? I mean, I'm guessing the time in Mozambique would have been really uh, special to you. But has mm. there been any other time when you felt particularly close to God? I think I've been, I've been very fortunate that there's probably a few pinpoints, um, and often they are times I think. You know, it's the classic thing. It's like when things are hard. Mm. So I, off the back of the Mozambique experience, when I finished university, I did a gap year and I went to Ecuador as part of a team for five months. And um, because I was 
everyone else was sort of pre-university. I was part of the two leadership. Uh, they always had a pair of a pair of um, leaders, and that was, I think, the closest experience I've ever had to being a dad prior to being a dad. Wow. In terms of, it was an amazing experience, but I required much more patience than I had. Yeah. And I remember literally like, you know, when it talks about Jacob wrestling with God, I remember like wrestling, walking up to the roof in this flat we were staying in, yeah. like genuinely wrestling, being like, dude, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was by no means a saint in the way I dealt with it. And I, but I had to really lean on the Lord there. Um, we've had a few pinpoints in our, like in our life in terms of, there was the, uh, our girls, when Jen was pregnant with them, we've got, the twins and mm. she um at about 22 weeks we had a real problem they had twin to twin transfusion syndrome and there was a real like they said there's only a one-third chance they'll both survive and i remember sitting up with jen then and like praying and um and just feeling like you know the lord's with you he's got this and and we had an amazing outcome and obviously got two completely healthy girls and and this the consultant said they were the healthiest ttts twins he'd ever seen when they were born oh wow um, and then work-wise as well, my career's been up and down. I had about just around the time the girls were born, I left my job having got sort of really very stressed. Mm. Um, and it's been a journey and there've been times I've, I felt called into what I'm doing now. Um, and there've been times when it's been a real struggle and I've been like, I need to just give up this sort of yeah. journey of working for myself and go and, and do other things. And um, every time there's been words, actually, people have come up to me randomly, mm. spontaneously saying, you know, you're bringing the kingdom in the place that you're going or, yeah. and what you're doing. And, and that's been times that I felt God's really spoken to me as well and been really close. So I've been really privileged to have, and I think, you know, everyone has those points, don't yeah. they? And yeah, like, yeah, yeah, a yeah. Few, a few points like that. Yeah. And do you have any like worship songs that you hold on to from any of those times or one that has particular meaning? Oh, he's smiling. <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, so, and it's funny, I remember it from Mozambique because it was such a changing time. And I remember on the way back out of Mozambique, we, we were in, so we traveled in like Baki's pickup trucks. Yep. One of them broke down and we had to then for about, I don't know, it was a thousand miles or whatever. We, we tethered the one to the back of the other and we had to do shift in steering this thing. And it had a two meter pole that you, and I remember going through a, we drove through a game reserve as well at one point and I was steering this thing and I was in there on my own and I was playing the song, Tim Hughes, that became a bit of a theme. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but it's, it's the one that goes, and this is what I'm glad to do. It's time to live a life of love ah. that pleases you. And I will give my all to you. Surrender everything I have and follow you. I'll follow you. Maybe it's called I Will Follow or something like that. Yeah. Um, I'm sure somebody listening will be like, oh, yeah, I know yeah, that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was a real, like, I remember singing, because I was on my own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I yeah. had this real transformative experience and singing my heart out yeah. with this. And it's something that's really stuck with me, that song. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm guessing that's kind of a mantra that you can hold into lots of different situations. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and going on from that, is there anything that you're particularly passionate about and what are you doing about it? So my, I always felt sort of driven to change the world and 
I wanted to initially I was gonna I wanted to be Dave Joyner um if anyone <laughs> knows what Dave does yeah don't worry uh, we're interviewing him soon too <laughs> okay. um and uh do something about like international poverty um and as time's gone on I've realized that and, and my career didn't go down that path and as time went on I realized actually uh, and I think when you have kids your your life becomes a bit more sort of inward looking sometimes or certainly it did for me mm. and I, my my real passion is kind of a lot of it's them and recently during lockdown I was thinking what's the world they're going to grow up in like mm. and one of the greatest concerns and obviously a big concern for everyone recently has been climate change and I just started talking to people about that and I managed I got involved with this project which um, was essentially an idea for an app that we gradually developed uh, to support people to make sustainable upgrades to their homes and it's been going on now for probably 18 months, maybe closer to 20 months. And we've got it to the point, actually, where we've put a pitch deck together, we've gone out, we believe by the end of this month we will have our first tranche of financing in the bank. We're actually going to build the thing. Amazing. Um, and I feel like that, for me, is a real passion project because it's about building a world that is sustainable Yeah. and you know, doing my little bit, hopefully, yeah. to give a future to my children and hopefully consequently everyone else's as well yeah absolutely and a uh, technical question if people could make one change in their home what would you recommend uh, actually it would be better insulation better insulation here you go you heard it here well not for the first time i'm sure everybody knows that already yeah, better yeah. insulation it's the it's the best value for money solution and the easiest thing to do that's out there oh there you go um Going on from what you're passionate about, I know that this is part of what you're doing for work at the moment, but also you do something else for work, don't you, Brian? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so I moved into um, coaching businesses and, and people who run businesses, uh, and that was what I started eight years ago. Um, and it's a real privilege because we get to work with people who are... It's about their lives at the end of the day. People start their own businesses because either they've got in a situation where they have to, mm. um, and then it's kind of like, I've got no, op no other option and I need to make this work. Mm. Or they, uh, they've, they've taken everything, they've gotten all their knowledge and experience and they're sort of pinning their hopes and dreams on this thing. And typically what we find is people start a business because they have a skill set. Yeah. So they'll take whatever they've got and they'll go, I'm going to start a business doing this. But the failure rate of business in the UK is something like only something like seven out of every 10 fail after five years. Really? Um, and that's a lot of hopes and dreams dashed. It's yeah. a lot of wasted sort of resource as well. Yeah. And so the privilege of, of doing what we're doing is actually we're taking people who've got real good knowledge and skill sets and saying, well, actually, um, th these are all the sort of bits that you, you need to know to run a whole business. So around marketing, sales, ops, finance, talent, and then helping them. One of the key things we've seen as well is actually the community mm. that it gives. So we run, we do one-to-one -one programs, but every quarter we get everyone we work with together. We also run group programs. And it's, some of our clients have described it as like AA for entrepreneurs. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's feeling like they're not alone. They've got people yeah. to talk to who get them and they're in this similar yeah. sort of situation. Um, so it's a real privilege. And um, and just recently we've started a project actually with the Lon with, uh, London Business Hub. Um, so sort of mayor's office, um, where they're specifically asking us to target uh, female early stage run businesses and um, BAME early stage run businesses 
Which is a real privilege as well, because they're saying these are the people who've been impacted most by COVID. Yeah. Um, so that's great to be able to do, particularly because they can't always necessarily afford at the stage that they're at. So, but that's being funded by the government, so that's a real yeah. privilege. So, so yeah, I've got an interesting job for me anyway, and I, yeah. I find it very... And I know that you were saying, actually, the recent series at Church about women and equality has really impacted how you're now doing this particular project, hasn't it? Absolutely. So it's really... I think it's really challenged my thinking. I was very much previously just going, well, I feel I treat people equally. Mm. But I, I'm not sure I was in the sort of positive discrimination camp. Mm. And what it's made me realise is actually, I think there is a lot of historical imbalance that needs to be redressed. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I'm being more emboldened to kind of see things and call things out and actually feeling really privileged to just work with this group of people that that we are working with and, and seeing their dreams come alive. So yeah. It's oh, I can't imagine how encouraging it must be for them, but also for you to yeah. see, like, you know, them progress in their projects that is their their dream. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, sounds really fun. Yeah, oh. yeah no, I'm lucky. I'm lucky. And uh, what do you do for fun? Uh, mostly anything outdoorsy, sport, um, like to swim, like spend time with the family, go on adventures, go camping, uh yeah anything that's anything that's outside outside well on a beautiful day like today i can imagine you'll be doing all sorts of things yeah we are in fact we are dog borrowing later oh how exciting so uh taking someone else's dog for a walk which we could nice that sounds good um so now now we've come to the end of the formal questions i'm really interested interested to know if you were stuck on a desert island brian all on your own. First, mm. I want to know if that would bring you joy or whether that would bring you dread. I think joy for about six hours. <laughs> to enjoy the peace and quiet. Enjoy the peace and quiet. And then I think I'd start getting pretty bored and say, you know, I'm, I'm having a barbecue now on the beach. Who can I share it with? Who can you share it with? So then that leads me on to what would your luxury item be? Uh, well, funnily enough, my luxury item would be, so I'm not the world's best sleeper. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I'm very dedicated to my sleep. So it's a sort of trio of items, which would be a pillow. Fair enough. Um, my earplugs and my eye mask to keep the light out. Because well, yeah. otherwise I can't sleep properly. And I'm sure there's lots of nocturnal animals on that island. You know? Yeah, so you're gonna, yeah. Up, up, <laughs> keeping me awake. So maybe we should say a hammock as well. So we can actually oh, get yeah, off that, the ground. Oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and what book would you take? What podcast would you listen to mm. and what snack would you eat? Okay, so uh, book, obviously the Bible. Well, no, that's given <laughs> anyway, okay. sorry. So the other book um, is Shantaram. What's that? Which is an amazing story written by a guy. So I think it's a, it, I don't know how much of it is fictional versus how much of it is his life story. There's certainly elements of it that are based on his life story. And it's about a guy who escapes Australia as a convict having got into drugs and he makes his way to India and he um, gets involved with the Indian like underworld but he also ends up in a slum being the doctor in the slum and, oh, sounds and then he epic. goes off to Afghanistan in the 80s as an involved fighting over there like in the Afghan-Russian sort of war and like, it's, it's an amazing tale. Sounds, sounds like a good page turner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it sounds quite thick as well. It's going to keep you going it for a while. It keeps you going for a while. Like, yeah. That sounds like a good book to take. Yeah, yeah, I recommend that one. Um, what was the book, uh, snack, podcast. Yep. Tim Ferriss show. 
is amazing. Have you ever listened to it? No, I don't think I have. Tim Ferriss show. He just interviews the most interesting people. Oh, like we're doing today. <laughs> yeah, bit bit more interesting. Bit more interesting. Um, yeah, and they're all people who've like really developed knowledge or specialism in something, oh. and so you just you learn so much from listening to it. And they have these fascinating kind of two hour discussions around stuff. So really good. And snack would be pineapple. Pineapple. Um, because if you're on a desert island, it would have to be a desert island where pine- fresh pineapples grew. That would be amazing. And fresh pineapple is just the oh, best amazing. thing ever. Amazing. Um, so when it's good, it's not like chemically pineapple that we get imported. No, no, no. It needs to be like fresh proper. pineapple on tap. Mm. You know, yeah. anytime you want to pull it off the tree. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Great idea. Brian, thank you so much for talking with me today. Pleasure. It's been really fun. Great. Well, I hope you enjoyed that podcast. Thanks for listening. If you think you'd like to have a chat with me, why not get in touch with The Office? Otherwise, I look forward to listening to our next conversation sometime soon.